how many times if you're listening as a coach and maybe you felt this before, did you give this amazing plan? The perfect plan. The perfect plan. And you're like, let's go. This is going to get the results. And your client does nothing. So now you've internalized the story as and a coach that you suck. And you feel you're a horrible coach, right? You yep. suck as a coach because you did nothing for them, but you set both of you up for failure. Hello, everyone. It's Jordan Boxer, your host of Leaders in Sport, a podcast brought to you by Designs for Sport, which is an industry-leading supplement company with all NSF for Sport supplements and education geared to help elevate the industry and support fit pros. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Leaders in Sport. My name is Jordan Boxer, and I'm your host, and I am met with... Melissa Arachi. Who is? I am a sports nutrition specialist with Designs for Sport. And... And I am makeshifts happen. And is that it? Is that where we end it? Just those two things? I'm trying to think of something witty. It's just not. Well, I think you, uh, so I've known Melissa for quite a while now. I think six years. Yeah. Yeah. So Melissa, yes, she's a sport nutrition specialist at Designs for Sport. I'm sure a lot of you have interacted with her or have seen her do. You host all the master classes pretty much that we have. I do. Um, but you... And this is what I really want to get out today because I don't think people know much about you like in your past. Um, so I think you started your first realm into healthcare by saving bodies after car accidents. You were a paramedic. <laughs> yes. I was the one that got to go into the vehicle because I fit through the tiny little hole. I was a paramedic. <laughs> I was a paramedic in Peel Region. I want, I've always wanted to help people. Yeah. And um, instead of getting tickets, I decided I would drive an ambulance. So that solved that problem. What was the fastest you ever drove? They had like governors on. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And and so it's called a tachometer and they would check how fast you would go. How fast did they recommend you to go when you had the lights on? Um, you were allowed to go like a couple, like 10, 10 or 20 kilometers over the speed limit. But I do have the record, at least at one point, of driving the fastest from Brampton, Ontario um, to the hospital. How fast? Like the duration of time. Yeah. It was like 11 minutes or something. And how long does it normally take? I don't know. <laughs> a, a lot longer we were driving to the trauma center downtown so like that's, oh wow okay so that's yeah. like a good like 20 mile drive 30 yeah mile drive. the person needed it so we got her done <laughs> good i'm happy you saved that person i'm sure they're grateful for your speed mm. um and then after that you i guess uh you had a lot of you had something that i think a lot of people go through which is this idea of burnout yeah I, I think I uh, I chose my job because it allowed me to fulfill the state I wanted to live in, which was constantly on guard, like hyper vigilant. And uh, I did that for what, four years as a paramedic. And all my symptoms, everyone always said, oh, it's because of what you do. You're stressed because of what you do. You don't sleep well because of what you do. So I just kind of, I believed that. Mm -hmm. And then, and then? It, it was more than that. Yeah, <laughs> I was. Um, so I guess I was in my mid 20s, hadn't had a menstrual cycle in seven years. And I mean, ask a busy female whether she's cool with not having a menstrual cycle. And I was like, yup, <laughs> for for a week, I'm not out. Awesome. Because I had, I had horrible hormonal issues in the past. And then I just I wasn't sleeping properly, grinding my teeth and all that. I've got some anxiety in my family with other family members. So it all added up um, until it didn't. So this was funny to to please my um, overly worried Italian mom. I got an MRI and worked mm -hmm. with like an endocrinologist, and I brought my mom to the appointment to um, get this clean bill of health so that I could kind of, sorry, mom, shut her up. And uh, she, we're in the, the doctor's office, and the doctor turns around and is like, "Oh, oh my god, this is good." Looking at my mom, like, and how old are you at this point? 
Um, I was 20, 27. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was a, an adult yeah. with my mother in the, wow, this is, this story's <laughs> getting better with my mother in the doctor's office. Uh, so my pediatrician, no, I'm kidding. My endocrinologist <laughs> tells me I have a, um, have a brain tumor. And I was like, okay, so hold on, let me stop. <laughs> Get serious. Right? Yeah, okay, so we're on. laughing now because this was the best thing yeah. that could have ever happened. To okay, me, good, but. good. So we transformed our wound into a, something that's common on the podcast is transforming our wounds into like why we help people. So, Absolutely. okay. So you're 27, you're yeah. at your pediatricians, <laughs> yes. your mom's with you. My mom's with yeah, me. Okay. And and I get told I have a brain tumor, and uh, and that expedited this process of symptoms that all of a sudden made sense. So mm. it was specifically it was on my pituitary gland, which is you know within the base of the brain, and um, it was secreting cortisol, your stress hormone, mm -hmm. uh, at a dangerously high level. And did you have any knowledge of what any of this meant at that point? Absolutely not. And this is the funny part: is I had been in healthcare in emergency medicine for. For I mean, I got the mechanisms. I knew anatomy and pathophysiology. But did I understand the consequences of this long-term hormonal imbalance truly and how it impacted my life? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so this horrible diagnosis comes down. Yeah. And you decide to leave being a paramedic and you get into... Yeah, I started looking at natural health. Um, I was kind of, honestly, I was bitter. Because like I had been in healthcare for so long, I had seen all these specialists and done all of these tests and had all these diagnoses that were not correct. Um, so I actually I met with a naturopath, um, which we, whom we both know in Mississauga, and I started doing some work there. Now this got me on an expedited list for surgery. I I personally wanted to do you know natural uh, means, but it was it was way too far gone. Because I, I sort of let this happen. I mm -hmm. think it was seven years of just kind of dealing with these symptoms. So I guess it was a couple of days before Christmas, uh, 2021, had it removed, had my tumor but, but removed. By that point, you were already into natural health. So you, yeah. you became a nutritionist. Yeah. Um, you let go of being a paramedic. Mm -hmm. And you made your mission to learn how to get healthy. Mm -hmm. And you, uh, you got your nutrition degree. You got really into like fitness. You started training a lot. Um, and... I think I'm missing a piece. You were vegan. <laughs> you went through that aspect. Did, um, did go through that, yeah. No, but so just we'll, we'll get back to the 2021 surgery, but I think what's important is focusing on like, okay, so burnout happens mm -hmm. and now you get into the, this whole rabbit hole in natural health. Yeah. So let's go down that a bit. What sure. did you got your nutrition degree? Yeah, I um I decided that I wanted to learn more preventative healthcare mm -hmm. and I loved food. So I did more of a holistic nutrition approach versus the dietetic side, um, just because that really resonated with me. It looked at healing or using food to support the body, but using food and addressing lifestyle considerations and using natural healthcare products versus pharmaceuticals. So that was right up my alley. Mm -hmm. And then when did you get into working? Like, Because I know you worked with a lot of bodybuilders, helping mm -hmm. with their nutrition planning. Mm -hmm. How did you get into that from natural, from like your uh, nutritionist background? Yeah, I think, uh, well, that kind of ties into the vegan story. And this is a complete aside. I mean, I did a lot of these things prior to knowing what true eating properly for my body to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. It was just this restrictive mentality. And I love working with bodybuilders because after I worked in emergency medicine, I lost that like adrenaline and obsession of something. Um, and then it became bodybuilding. 
So I, I loved working with these people who are incredibly restricted and had so much uh, they they gave up so much like their their social life and so much food uh, to look a certain way, but then they ended up kind of driving themselves into the ground afterwards. So it very much it resonated with what I've done to myself, and I was like, okay, this is cool, fitness related, and I can help them with their food. And um, so I think most people listening don't realize like you spent a lot of time. Like I know we're touching on the bodybuilders, but. Like the fitness community is like something you hold really dear. Mm-hmm. Um, People. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. Like the lessons you've learned in your transition and with all these coaches you deal with. Because one thing you've sort of really specialized in doing is helping coaches with their own health to sort of prevent the burnout that you went through. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think coaches put themselves in this position even though they know all the things? So they're coaching people all day long, but often you're talking to them and you're seeing them go through the burnout that you went through and you help them through the burnout. Why do you think that happens? I think it's it's people who want to help people. There's something about them that it's difficult for them to help themselves. And, and they they look to getting other people to perform really well. And, and maybe it's something that's so hugely passionate to them that they forget to take care of themselves. That could be one piece. Mm-hmm. It also could just be, I think it takes a certain kind of person to get up at five o'clock in the morning and coach eight people in a row and not have lunch because, you know, you got to take this client at a certain time. Uh, and then you just, you empty your cup. So what do you, when you're working with coaches that are coming to you for nutrition advice, what are some of the things that you try to drill into their head to put as priority? Yeah, it, it's the hardest, like the less is more. Uh, a lot of the coaches I work with, a lot of the high performers, let's just call that in general, they want to do all the things and they want to fast and calorie restrict and train three times a day and no sleep. And uh, it's really about kind of reversing some of those behaviors. Uh, you know, behavior change is kind of a, a big yeah. thing for me. I think what I realized after doing so much nutrition consulting is that there came a limit to what I really needed to know from a from a textbook standpoint. And then this limitless opportunity of trying to understand human psychology and human behavior came about. And that's really what I work with with any of my high performers, especially my coaches. Uh, they are very much creatures of habit. They have their busy day-to-day schedule and everything has to go as planned. And, and it's just about integrating in certain behaviors that are going to help to fill that cup back up. So yeah, let's go into a bit of I- this idea of behavior change or, or learning about how to help someone have their behavior change. Because you've mm-hmm. coached, um, you've led a few master classes. I think you taught a good intensive course when we first started during COVID. You were trying to give back to the coaching community. So um, m- maybe dig into this a bit because I don't think, I don't know how many times coaches actually spend time learning about what is needed to have that behavior change. So can you give us a little bit background on what the average human goes through before they make a decision. Yeah, change is hard. Change is hard and change is scary and no one likes it. And and oftentimes, okay, we see athletes who have a specific deadline and they have to achieve a certain level of performance or body fat percentage or what have you. So they have this driving force. Um, but then to do it all the time, that's an entirely different scenario. To des- The desire to change and have it be part of your subconscious and it's now a part of your day very different than we've got six weeks, this is your off season, let's go. Um, And I think that's something that sometimes coaches find it difficult to understand. They have someone come in and they want to do all the things and they're going to give them a meal plan or a nutrition plan that has 50 different asks, Mm -hmm. shifts in behavior or lifestyle. And um, the reality is that client is probably going to do one or two of those things. 
there's an amazing book called The Power of Less. The uh, the author is Leo Babatua, and um, he just talks about you know when you are asking someone to achieve, let's say, three different things, the likelihood of completion is something like five percent. Right, but if it's one thing, if it's one thing, you're going to get like an eighty percent compliance. And then what was rate. two things? It was like cut in half. It right? drops to thirty. Yeah, and I think that's a really powerful thing because people, it's sort of like. Everyone in our industry is really here to help people. And mm-hmm. we have all this knowledge we hold on to and want to give it to everyone. Verbal right diarrhea the second right. you sit down. But this idea of like less is more. Mm-hmm. Let's get win here. Then we can add the next behavior. So um, you, you go into an interesting concept like when you're talking to coaches about like, listen, your strength coaching, don't talk about diet. You're mm-hmm. on the floor with them. Don't mention supplements. Absolutely not. Uh, which again, you, you're a sports nutrition specialist for DFS. So when you say that to me, like, what do you mean don't mention supplements? Like now is not the time. Mm-hmm. So can you go into that a little bit of like, when is it appropriate to try to influence some behaviors over others? Yeah. I mean, and, and the answer to that is honestly the best way to make a habit stick is to change the environment. And then the behavior is going to become natural. And that's why when I'm having conversations with coaches, it's like, no, between sets, I don't care if it's two or five minutes, you're not going to talk to that person about how their water is and the frequency of their bowel movements. I mean, first of all, you're in there to lift. So let's stay focused, right? Um, Secondly, there is an emotional component to talking about behavior change, whether it be food supplementation or lifestyle, that they they might not feel comfortable discussing on the gym floor. Um, Creating an environment to um, allow someone to open up and asking them the right questions and having them focus on that. And there's that one thing. Uh, another good book also, The One Thing. Uh, you allow the client to focus on on what's going on and then feel comfortable enough to open up to some of these sensitive topics. So what if I'm a coach? I'm like, listen, I only have the person for an hour, three times a, a week. What, like I have to fit it into this hour. Yeah. I mean, that's oftentimes you're a one-man operation and you're like, what in the world am I supposed to do here? Mm -hmm. There's many ways that you can potentially, depending on obviously your your business model and how that might work, the best, the facilities that get the best results, and I've had the privilege of seeing a ton of facilities all over the world, has a coaching session and an external, this could be virtual, this could be someone within your network who you trust, who you know does good work, working on nutrition for that client. Because and I agree, when, the, when a coach says that, absolutely, your job is to program someone and give them the best hour of strength and conditioning that you can give. My job is to take over, and, and this is staggering, you see them for one hour. Let's say you see your client three times a week. Okay, that's in 168 hours of a work week, less than 1% of your client's time is with you on the gym floor. And I realize coaches have a massive impact and I'm not trying to say downplay strength training in any way. I'm just trying to say, if you want to generate more impact, get them their other 99% of their hours um, and either work with someone who can do the nutrition and lifestyle coaching or do that as an external session. There's, I mean, revenue for a coach. That's a great Yeah, because, you know, you run your own um, nutrition business sort of Mm -hmm. on the side while working with us. And I think one of the big parts of your business that really blown up is um, you working with coaches where they don't have to worry at all about the nutrition. Mm-hmm. You give that you take over that aspect of the of um, their client care, and you've really, I guess, exploded recently in working with a lot of pro athletes. Because um, I think it's like even more so, even though there's a drop dead date, we think pros are like always super compliant. Mm-hmm. But what have you noticed? It's like they need almost more hand-holding or? Absolutely. They might have the means 
um, and the conven- some convenience factors that general population don't have. Oh, I have a personal chef. Amazing. But again, it's about taking those steps and or, or having someone like me come in and have a conversation with the chef. So there's a ton of advantages with working with a pro, but we are still working with a short duration of time. And, and here's the thing too, is sometimes it's just about understanding that in this off season, being realistic with those expectations, this is what we're going to accomplish. And we are going to champion these habits and mm-hmm. then we'll build from there. Okay. So when we're changing habits, like this idea of less is more, let's change one at a time. When do you feel the, it is the right time to add a new habit change? So let's say I'm a new client. I'm a NARP, which is a non-athletic regular person, <laughs> just rolled into the gym. I'm with the coach. And the first habit is we're going to get you to cha- train three times a week. Mm-hmm. At what point do we feel comfortable to say, okay, so now we're going to add in this new habit change? Yeah. I would say the quick answer is when they're doing it approximately 80% of the time or when we've successfully integrated it into their schedule. Um, the more complicated answer is, you know, do you want to go fast? Do you want to go slow? And having the conversation, we call it agenda setting in uh, behavior change. And ultimately, the coach needs to understand we guide, they decide. And and I realized like the letting go of control of that aspect being like, this person came in to get coached from me. They don't get to make decisions. Well, at the end of the day, if I have someone come to me and say, listen, I'm not ready to give up smoking. This might be more of a general population type scenario. I'm not ready to give up smoking, but you know what? Like I've noticed I'm drinking more water and I'm not having that soda at lunch every day. We celebrate the out of those wins. The what? I don't know if we're censored or not. We celebrate the shit out of those wins. (laughs) And and I wanted to actually bring this up before, and I'm glad that this happened now to circle back there, is like coaches were so dopamine dominant. Like we want, we've got that, we've got that drive. Well, the and you know this, you see this with social media. The best way to have something become a habit, if not an obsession, is to give little wins. So, you know, maybe we are moving a little bit slower, but I've got that athlete like pulling that, uh, what is it, slot machine handle, and you, ready and for the next win. Something that's never hit me before, and it's crazy I'm going to say this, and it's like, how has this not hit me? But <laughs> what you're doing essentially is you're programming the reward center for your athlete or I, client. and Absolutely. And you're, pro- you're programming your reward center. I've never saw it that way, but until you mentioned it right now, where it's like, if we on the coaching side have our own like checklist and wins, like, okay, mm-hmm. I got Tommy to do work out three times a week. I'm doing a good job as a coach. Great. Tommy's now working out three times a week. He's getting, now I'm going to get Tommy to switch his diet. Okay, great. It's like we're we're mirroring the dopamine hits. Yeah. I think there did are that so ever, many. Did you, did you realize that before? Well, it, like, I feel like I just had a eureka moment, which is so basic, but. It makes so much sense. With my verbal, I, I was the verbal diarrhea coach because I wanted to help. You're doing it now on the podcast. Yeah. Give so much information, <laughs> right? Yeah. But how many times if you're listening as a coach and maybe you felt this before, did you give this amazing plan? The perfect plan. The perfect plan. And you're like, let's go. This is going to get the results. And your client does nothing. So now you've internalized the story as and a you coach feel that you're you a horrible coach, right? You yep. suck as a coach because you did nothing for them, but you set both of you up for failure. No, I like this idea of like programming in the little wins. Mm-hmm. So um, let's say somebody, so you're like, okay, when the behavior becomes uh, common. So like, I, I know it's hard to maybe give me a number, but it's like, how many training sessions do we get them to commit to and they come in for till we feel we can move on to the next stage? Is it like three training sessions in a row, six? 
Because there's all this like stuff that goes around that you need what, like 66 days for behavior change or... It's funny. That came from like telephone tag research. There was a plastic surgeon. This was like back in the 60s. I think his name was Markle or Maxwell. Um, he would do these plastic surgery changes. And what he noticed is that it, it took approximately that period of time for the patients to recognize the change in their face. Um, and then years of telephone really? tag. Yeah, that's where that number came from. So like they couldn't see the change before? until they saw it in the mirror and they were like, oh, this isn't my new nose. This is just my face. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah. they knew it happened, but they were like, oh, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Nose job, nose job. And um, what ended up happening, there was newer research that was out of the UK that ended up finding a greater variance. It's typically like it can be up to 166 days that something becomes a behavior. But that's what some research says in, in change behavior or behave, motivational interviewing. We would say when that process has become automatic. That's when it's a behavior. But uh, James, I'm not, I did not invent this. This was James Clear, Atomic Habits. He, he says, never miss twice. So to answer your question of how frequently, um, something that's really important in creating something automatic or being consistent is don't, don't make the same mistake twice. So if you missed your workout today, fine, you missed it. But tomorrow, get, get in your movement. And then we can start layering in new habits after that. Yeah. So uh, your what is motivational interviewing? So we talked about habit change. Mm -hmm. This what is this idea of motivational interviewing? I hate the name, but that's what it's called. Did, oh, you didn't come up with it? No, motivational interviewing. It was two psychologists um, that actually came up with it. Clinical psychologists, and so this came from like a hospital setting, and it was actually used with people who had addictions problems. So I mean, imagine a population of people that need to change behavior. It's them, um, and they found it that it worked so well with those people who are you know addicted to illicit drugs, that they ended up making it something that they did in clinic for um, smoking or for diabetes, blood sugar management. So that's kind of where it came from. But what does it mean? Yeah. So it means essentially having your client understand why they want to change. And this is- So you interview them to give them motivation? You sort of put, put them in a state of- so you can't give someone in this concept, you can't give someone motivation, but you can evoke mm -hmm. the motivation within them. It's not about education. It's about evocation. So I don't need to tell you why, if you are a smoker, let's say, why you shouldn't smoke. It's pretty clear. So can we go through an example of this with you and I? Can we role play it? Sure. Okay. So if I'm a client, <laughs> yeah. if I'm a client, yeah. Okay. Are we ready? Um, so I just sat down, I'm at the gym and you're like, am I already a client signed up or am I in the process of signing up? When would you start? I mean, I think that the best scenario is you get someone the second they decide they want to okay, do personal training. Okay, so it's training. like, yeah, I want to do personal training. Yeah. I'm Jordan and you're Melissa, the personal trainer. So how would you use this concept of motivational interviewing? So it's typically done with like lifestyle and, be and behavior type changes. So we would want to understand, maybe you filled up some intake No, let's forms. role play it. Pretend I, okay, okay. Now here's hey, my, yeah, hi. So Jordan, I see with your intake forms here yeah. that you have a couple of goals um, and you listed one as fat loss. Mm -hmm. So I would just love to dig in a little bit more and kind of understand what fat loss means to you. Uh, I would like to get shredded for the summer. Okay, yeah. cool. What would shredded look like? Six pack? Uh, I, I, Massive no, like it, somewhere in between Rocky two and Rocky three. It's really great that I haven't seen a Rocky, but we're going to go with it. Okay. We're going to go with it. You haven't seen a Rocky? I know. Not one. Not one? <laughs> you got to change that immediately. Or the creeds. Yeah. Well, we can, maybe we can use mo motivational interviewing. Okay. So I would want to really understand <laughs> why. So I, I definitely want to get a good picture of what shredded means to you. Yeah. Um, no, keep walking. Let's keep, I, I honestly, I think it's good that coaches hear this. Sure. So, so tell me a little bit more about what this body type is with Rocky two. Uh, 
you know, he had muscle mass for sure. Yep. He was in a little bit better shape than Rocky one. Rocky three is like extremely chiseled out of stone. I don't think I want to get that lean. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm like in shape, flat stomach, broad shoulders, but maybe in between the two pack and the six pack somewhere in between there. Okay. So I want to understand a little bit more about why you want this. Like how, how imagine you are Rocky two right now. How are you going to feel now that you've gotten there? What's going to be different about Jordan sitting in front of me? I, I think I'm going to have more confidence. confidence. Uh, yeah. When I'm at like the beach or the pool, I'll feel okay having my shirt off. Nice. Um, feel like my clothes will fit better. Mm. Feel a little better on the dating scene. Okay. Yeah. So as a as a break here in this role play, just so everyone who's listening understands, it's all well and good. You want to get shredded. And and I think oftentimes a lot of coaches get these outcome-based goals that are shredded or, or X body fat percentage or whatever it happens to be. Um, and the important thing that I need to uncover is the why behind it. And you gave me some gold. You mm -hmm. told me that you were going to feel more confident, that you were going to be able to take your shirt off. Um, these are going to be things that I coach and bring up in previous coaching, in ne next, your next yeah, coaching yeah, yeah. session um, to be able to bring you back to the state. Because you feel most coaches, once the person's like, I want to get shredded, they leave it. Yeah. And so we need to go deeper. That's that's what we're an outcome-based goal. Yeah, we we need a behavior or an action-based goal because shredded might happen in six weeks. If you came in and you're fifty percent body fat and you just told me this, by no means am I discouraging your goal. You deserve to get whatever it is that you want to get. But it's about fifty setting, or fifteen. I mean, I said five zero. I don't look fifty percent body fat. Are we role playing right now? <laughs> okay. So if you want that, I want to set your expectations. Yeah. But I, I really also, so remember those little wins that we're going to mm -hmm. be coaching with you? In in six months when you get there, I can't keep bringing you back to the the Jordan in six months. So I, I want to get the feeling and I want to try and get that shirtless feeling every single time we do a little action. Okay. Oh, okay. So, so let's go back into the role play. So yeah. I, I say all these things. So do mm -hmm. you dig deeper past this or let's get into it. So yeah, so... I want to be confident on my shirt on, all that type of stuff. Yeah. So then from here, we want to get a bit more granular with the goal. So I'd be asking questions like, okay, so maybe I have your food log in front of me or something like that, a dietary recall. So and let's I'm, do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So Jordan, like I'm looking, I'm looking at your dietary recall. And a question I ask often is, you know, can you tell me a little bit about what you ate? Let's use yesterday as an example and just kind of go through what a day looks like for you. Yeah. So I think I ate pretty healthy. Um, I had a bagel for breakfast with my like coffee, like two mm -hmm. cream, two sugar, like basic thing. At mm -hmm. lunch, I had a sub, but you know, I had a lot of vegetables on the sub, so it was mm -hmm. good. And then for dinner, I just had, um, you know, some pasta and steak. Yeah. So again, pausing here, I've noticed that the first actual source of protein happened at dinner and you gave me the perfect, you're giving me goals here as a coach, but you also gave me the standard American diet. I, I, yeah, I, I was trying to mimic what I've heard a lot of people. Absolutely. Right, yeah. So now as a coach, so one of the things I'm going to make sure that's happening in this engagement is that I'm not showing any judgment and we do this. Listen, uh, the massive concept of motivational interviewing is actually listening and allowing you to to finish because I I heard that you picked up a sub. I know now about your eating and, and food preparation habits. Um, I could dig in more to your morning routine, that kind of thing. But it's quite clear that you're eating a, a ton of refined carbohydrate and your protein lacking. So then I would position something like, you know, hey, Jordan, um, what do you think from like your diet right now? Where do you think you could make the most? What could you do to move the needle the most in the way that you're currently eating to help maybe, with this? Maybe like a little bit less sugar in my coffee, but I think everything else is is good. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So, and again, 
no judgment in this position as a coach, but now I'm going to start to integrate one action. So I'm going to say, Jordan, um, you know, the way that I like to work with my clients is I want to do uh, one habit change that's going to move the needle the most. Because let's get real. You want to look like Rocky too as soon as possible, yeah. right? So I want to choose something that's going to move the needle the most. And we're going to focus on that one goal. Mm -hmm. So something that you said that's really great is addressing the sugar, Right. And then I'm going to ask the client a question versus, again, not just doing education, evocating. What do you know about optimizing your protein intake when it comes to fat loss and getting shredded? Uh, I know that like I, I see a, like what maybe taking like a protein shake. Is that what you mean? Because I see people do that often. But yeah, um, I don't know. I, I just I figured like I'm having steak or chicken or something at dinner. I have a little bit of meat in my sub. Like, do I need more than that? Yeah. So, and so again, as a pause here, this is a great opportunity that rather than being like, so Jordan, one gram per pound of body weight is how much protein you need to be eating. Again, as a coach, I'm telling myself that in my head, I'm sussing you out and yeah. making sure I get your in-body or your measurements or your calipers. Um, but I'm asking you a question to allow you some room. So I've used an open question here versus a closed and said, you know, what do you know about high protein? So what would be a closed question? Like, do you know what optimal protein is that'd be a closed question it's yes or yeah, no a yes yeah. or so, no answer so open is allowing me to have the space to sort of express myself and that is one of the pinnacles of motivational interviewing is allowing because you end up getting gold and you end up having to actually ask less questions i think you know some of these stats where so the average uh, primary healthcare practitioner interrupts their patient once every 10 to 11 seconds that's staggering and as a coach, we have an opportunity to do something different. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think from to defend the coach right now, we're not oversharing because um, we don't want to hear the client. It's more like we want to just give this knowledge. So mm -hmm. I think a little what I like about what you do is like the shift is just a bit in we're going to be able to get the same messaging across, but we're giving a more comfortable vehicle in a way for them to interact with us. So mm -hmm. like I right now, like from the client side, I don't feel like you're judging my food. I feel I can open up for you. You weren't like, wait, you have a bagel and, and this in the morning. Like, that's horrible. Like, no wonder you look this way. Like, it's sort of like, okay, so go into me. What do you know about this? And you're making me, you're sort of dragging some out. So let's can, if we can continue it, I mm -hmm. think it's good. Yeah. So, yeah. So you okay, definitely so I just said, yeah, I think, you know, we're talking about optimal protein. So whatever I mm -hmm. said about like having a protein shake and I think I have enough. You identified like one really great way that you can get to a specific protein goal by adding in something like a shake. Mm -hmm. So in this situation, in this I role play again, yeah, yeah. In this yeah. role play, I would say, okay, so in this situation, we're gonna actually look at your breakfast, lunch, and dinner and see where the best opportunity would be to start to get that protein intake up. Now, I really love something called build a better breakfast. So let's have a peek at your breakfast. So again, a, a learning opportunity. So when you your dietary recall said uh, coffee. Uh, I, yeah, in the mornings I like to go through drive through like Tim Hortons. I like to yep. grab my double double and have a like a sesame seed bagel with butter. Sometimes I actually like I forgot to tell you I have egg and bacon, but okay, you know a lot of times just like yeah, I like a butter bagel for breakfast. Yeah, so like let's use the egg. Let's say today you, you decided to yeah, have yeah. the egg bagel. Let's use that as an example. Um, so an egg on average it has approximately you know six to let's say eight grams of protein. Okay. So I see here, Jordan, that based on your intake form, we had your weight on the scale at 150 pounds, right? So <laughs> he's not 150 pounds. I'm just I'm doing something <laughs> so we can have some easy math here. Okay. So um, let's say I'm 200 pounds. Let's do that. Great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 200 pounds. <laughs> of solid um, mass. Yeah. So 
ideally, when we're looking to optimize protein intake, it's actually one gram per pound of your body weight, right? So that's a just a general, we're going to start working. So if I'm 200 pounds, I want 200 grams of protein? And wow, that that's would, a lot. That would be throughout the course of a day. You're absolutely right. It is a lot. Yeah. and if I we feel were, like that's way too much food to eat. Mm-hmm. So let's let's break that down a little bit and see what that would actually look like. If we're having, let's say, three meals per day and a post-workout shake. Yeah. And then you would want to divide that by four. Okay, yeah. So that would be each eating opportunity. Grams, yeah. So let's look at your egg now in the context of how much protein you're hitting per per goal of each meal being 50 grams. We're gonna use 50 as our example. And we're getting in six. Let's let's say that the bagel probably has like a couple, a couple of grams of protein, maybe eight. Okay. So how are we with with that protein goal? So do you make the client do the math with you? I go through it with them. So it's not you just writing down the number because then they're more invested? Yeah. So, I mean, ideally, um, I would be beside my client going through this or I would share my screen. Uh, What my practice looks like right now is virtual, but I'm still sharing my screen. So they're seeing. They're seeing this being written down. And and I'm a big visual learner. Um, so maybe that's why I end up doing it. But I find that breaking that math down for them allows me. Uh, I think what's also really important here is I would say, okay, Jordan, like I, we see you're, you're getting eight grams um, and we have an opportunity to get you up to that 40 or let's say 50 grams. Okay. So if we're roll, okay. So yeah, I have uh, how many grams for the eggs you said? So it's about six to eight. And then the bagel? Bagel might have a couple of grams of protein. So two? Maybe so two. Like, let's say 10 grams. I yeah. Have? Okay. Yeah. And then your goal being 50 grams. We have an opportunity here to get a bit more protein in. Yeah, like how would I do that? And this is where, and this is exactly what I would say, this is where me as your nutrition coach gets to come in. Because again, Jordan, we don't want you looking at this protein as a number. I want you looking at it in the context of real food. So there's a couple of ways. And at this point, I'm also now going to offer you some options on how you can increase that like protein. DFS collagen in the morning in our muscle lattes. Right. And that's exactly <laughs> what I would recommend is I would yeah. start. Well, of course, I would start with whole food first. So I'd say, OK, Jordan, so if you're looking to get let's say we're looking to get you 40 to 50 grams and you're having eggs already, let's break down what that would look like in the context of eggs. How, do, how does that feel? So I need five eggs. Might be a lot of eggs. Yeah. Right. Or we might look at something like some steak in the morning. Steak in the morning for breakfast. And I, again, let's, as a coach, let's also look at this in context. Is that the best meal for Jordan? It's not. So now I'm going to offer you your third option, which is going to, again, go based on your why, your goal, and your environment. You need to get the protein in. You want to get shredded. We know we need to optimize your protein, but you have a morning that involves a drive-through. So as a coach, I need to make a good coaching call and say, we need a convenience factor here. Collagen, beef, protein, something that's quick or you've prepped it ahead of time. Yeah. And this is where like, yeah. And and, you know, coaches often come to us and they're like, yeah, I know. I I know they need supplements, but how do I put it in there? But this is a good example. It's like, yeah, grab a scoop of collagen, put in your coffee at the drive-thru, have your bagel. Um, But so what you're focusing on is the one win, which is how do we get them 200 grams of protein a day. That's the one win. So it's not necessarily cutting out all the refined sugars and stuff yet. It's more about shifting. I always add before I take away. Yeah, and, and that's and another thing. thing. Yeah. Add before you take away. If you're satiated from all the protein you're eating, are you still on top of that going to eat more refined sugar? You might. You very well might. But if I add more food to your diet, everyone comes to a nutritionist or a coach and knows that the fun stuff is going to get taken away. Oh, you're going to tell me I can't drink, right? You're going to tell me I can't eat ice cream, right? And when I tell them like, oh, you ate ice cream? What flavor? That's awesome. Oh, that's my favorite flavor actually too. Good choice. 
They're like, Did you always say it's your favorite flavor? No. If it is odd. What's your favorite flavor? Mint chocolate chip. Mint. I know. It's mint That's chocolate. a horrible flavor. I just always love mint chocolate. I feel like no one actually likes mint. I yeah. feel like it's just like a flavor they have for whatever reason. Now I do DFS. Like the protein. after eights. Do you like those? Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> my dad used to wrap individual after eights for me on Christmas. Like individual squares. That's horrible. But again, okay. like <laughs> back to our role play. We we have a ton of opportunities here. What I could have said to you is, Jordan, you're having no protein at breakfast. You're eating a bagel, okay? You're starting your day <laughs> with the same refined sugar that all of these fat asses are starting their day with. You need to eat 200 grams of protein a day. And I could have stopped it there. Um, and with all due respect to like the, you know, copy a meal plan and hand it out and just give it to the person. But again, steak and eggs for breakfast, an amazing breakfast, undisputed. But your morning just showed me based it's on- It's not an easy thing. Yeah, we need, so the idea is like we need to find, I think this is where the cool problem solving nature of the coach is. It's like, how do we find these easy solutions that fit into their lifestyle that still help us get that one win? What is realistic? And this is where I think you view coaching as a marathon, not a sprint. For you, it's like, okay, I know I'm going to have this person for a long time. Maybe in six months, they're having steak and eggs for breakfast, right? But Great. right now, we're going to get them to have the shake with the eggs. Um, and I like that you're not necessarily, it's not shaming, I guess is the right word. But yeah, no, shaming. It's like you're not like, oh, that's a horrible choice. You're sort of coming at me, not making me feel guilty and just invoking a positive change. Yeah, I could say you, you should not be doing a drive through for breakfast. That's not a good choice. And I'm not debating whether or not that statement was true because it's it, it could be very well true. But it's your reality right now. So what is ideal? Ideal is you would have a grass-fed cow in your freezer that you would cook up and you would eat it with loved ones and chew 35,000 times. And what's realistic is you're going through a drive through and, and and that is something, again, this this was not me five years ago. This was not Mel. So five years coaching. ago, were you more like the, hey, this is horrible, stop being a fat ass, eat yeah. this? Okay. You, if, why are you coming to see me and you don't have the lifestyle that I have? And I'm telling that story because I think a lot of coaches can resonate where there are a lot of coaches that are doing all the things and kudos to them. They're an amazing example of what health and well-being is. Um, but when our clients come in, even our athletes, that's probably not their reality. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And especially like the athletes, like you always hear about it, like you know, they want their McDonald's after the game mm -hmm. or they want their Wendy's after the game. So when you work with like your NFL players or your, um, have you worked with anyone in NBA? I think mostly NFL. Uh, no, NFL, NHL, NHL. And MLB. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're working MLB. with your athlete, oh, we got to get you an NBA player. So you mm -hmm. have all four big sports. Mm -hmm. So. Like Thanos. <laughs> you got to collect <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, so interesting, <laughs> interesting story with the NHL, NHL uh, client of mine and uh, pizza. Pizza was actually his pregame, his pregame. And um, again, I like I was mortified when I heard pizza pregame. And again, now when you look at this guy on the outside, though, he looks like he's in shape, like he's an athlete. Amazing yeah, exactly, athlete. Right. Amazing yeah. athlete. And again, do they need calorie? Absolutely. They need calorie for this individual. You know, they're hustling throughout this game. However, what I, I knew that this is agenda setting. He was not ready to give up that pizza. It was a deep rooted superstition. We didn't touch it. But what we did do is start to clean up in other ways 
when he is at home and has a choice and is having uh, tons of, again, refined sugars and perhaps inflammatory foods for him, could we cut down on those? And here's the amazing part is we're on a coaching call one day. We haven't touched the pizza. And he's like, you know, Melissa, I stopped doing the pizza because I was also noticing that I was feeling less bloated and there was some knee issues for this athlete. My knees were feeling better. Um, and I, do you think that if I stopped doing the pizza that that would help? So there's a Pascal Blasé is a, uh, I think he's a French philosopher, but I love this quote by him. It's, you know, people are so much more inclined to do the things that they themselves, that's come into their own minds than what you've told them. Of course, I'm thinking that pizza is not a good idea, but like, uh, why would I touch that? So I think this is where, like, this is why I love this uh, motivational interviewing and behavior change stuff that you teach because- a, it's helping the coaches understand understand themselves in their aspect of their business. So it's like, where are they resistant in making changes to be a better entrepreneur, into mm -hmm. having multiple streams of income, into like gaining more training skills? But then it's also making them a better coach for a lifelong business. Because yeah, like we're, when there's not that panic to get the results right away, seeing the marathon, it allows this room. And then you're right, he comes to you now, and he's ready to drop the superstition. Mm -hmm. How are we gonna? Yeah, we gotta collect your rings. Oh no, stones. Yes. Yeah, I'll take that. Like brass knuckles of the uh, of the major sporting organizations. <laughs> I actually hear basketball has the worst superstitions of, of uh, food surrounding games. So that one. What's the weirdest one you've had to deal with? Be. Is it the pizza? Uh, the pizza was weird. I also had um, same same client, though, could not get through all four. Well, like, could the game would just not go the way as planned without 1000 milligrams of sodium. But I mean, I was down for that, like salt tabs. That was the well, other Well, they're sweating a lot, yeah, right? Yeah, it was yeah. pizza and salt tabs. That was, that was the combo. So that's probably the weirdest combination. Yeah, not the pizza, but the pizza went, and yeah, salt Yeah, I've tabs. heard some weird ones. So, um, no, I, I want to thank you for today. I think it was good to get into this uh, mindset. Um, you're going to be speaking. Actually, when this is released, you would have already spoken at mm -hmm. our summit. That's on April 21st. Um, we were thinking about bringing back your... Um, motivational interviewing course uh, or or maybe some group webinars so if you guys are interested please feel free to reach out uh so when it comes to like three main things um to take away from this episode i think the first thing is addition before subtraction i really like that mm -hmm. um i also like this idea of like conquering one change at a time and the set and setting is very important. So don't talk about nutrition during the training session. Don't talk about training at the nutrition center. Like when when we're coaching, it's like be very stuck. Yeah, very intentional yeah. and purposeful with what's going on in that moment and then do the exact same on the nutrition side. Yeah. And it's okay if I've, as a coach, you don't feel confident to do that yourself, um, but then partner up with, create a great network of people who can help you with that. Exactly. So um well, thank you. So if people want to find you, I think your email is M. Let's go with that last name. I-E-R. I, not L. Yeah. Not L. Uh, make shifts happen with underscores between all the words as well. Make um, underscore shifts. shifts. Yeah. Not shifts. Yeah. Not, not shit, but make I. Make shifts underscore happens. I have happens. been mistaken Happens before. or happen? Happens. Okay. And then your email is M. Arachi. Yeah. At designsforsport.com. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. So if you guys have any questions, uh, please feel free to reach out to Mel. She's open for anything from like supplement support questions to, uh, if you want to book, we also will book behavioral change. Um, yeah. If you seminars want to virtually, with your coaches yeah. or your community, we've done it for both. We've done yeah. it for the clients and for the actual coaches to, to help. Yeah. And what's funny is we find 
or interesting is we find the gyms that we do it with uh, a the coaches have a better aspect and sort of stress response to their clients and b the clients tend to get more results so uh, that's something completely on us as a service. So if you're a strength coach, dietitian, fit pro, personal trainer, whoever, and you want to have this course taught at your um, at your facilities or even just one on one, you know, let us know. And uh, if you want to find me, my Instagram's born b o r n underscore uh underscore boxer b o k s e r. So thank you, Melissa, for coming. Rocky on. two, I appreciate that. Do you think I can look like Rocky? No, we're going for Rocky three body. I'm at Rocky two body right now. As He's long as to you Rocky stop three. going through the drive through and don't eat the bagels. Oh, I haven't had a bagel in so long. That's like my favorite food: bagel and Lux with cream cheese. Do you remember Great Canadian Bagel? Yeah. Oh so man. Anyways, yeah, there's that part of me coming out. But uh, thank you very much, and we'll all <laughs> speak to you guys soon. Thanks, Jordan. Ciao. Thank you again for joining us in Leaders in Sport. I'm your host, Jordan Boxer, and we just want to thank you from everyone at Designs for Sport for giving us your time and attention. We hope to continue to bring you episodes that will help pique your interest and help you elevate your career so we can elevate the industry. Thank you.